0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa, wait a minute.
1: Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff.
2: And fake right side throw touchdown kansas city mccall hardman mccall hardman with the catch how much
1: does it hurt yeah
0: oh man uh anybody
1: got a nail he can step on
2: 50 G. that
1: will require a
2: tennis shot
1: you have to firmly grasp it firmly grasp it
2: Good morning, Vancouver six hundred one on a Monday. Happy Super Bowl Monday, everybody! It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet six hundred and fifty. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning, Laddie. Good morning to you. Hello, hello. And the latest iteration of the Sportsnet six hundred and fifty Intern Program. Intern Jag. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hey, everybody's here. Halford Bruff. The morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Dilawri difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in Hour 1 of the program. Hour 1 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices in scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle you, get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from
1: the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five star Google
2: reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for. So, how's everybody feeling out there in listener land? Eh? It's Super Bowl Monday hangover monday we got a big show ahead how you doing i'm
1: still full
2: yeah i ate a lot of food i i I overate did you we had a a lot of pulled pork i know not your favorite Mm. not your favorite it was quite good thank you cesare for making the pulled pork um so i did a thing yesterday yeah i decided to disconnect from my phone yeah that was
1: that was a very random time to decide to disconnect from your phone yeah we thought you
0: died
2: like a,
1: a really random time during the Super Bowl, well,
2: in my defense, we had a big mm. party. There okay. was a lot of people there. I wanted to engage with the people. No, I ad- we were I invited admire. to. I yeah. th-
1: I think it's awesome, but you went completely dark. Yeah, and you are a member of like three or four of my group texts, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, ah. Uh, so I'm texting. I'm texting Halford during the game. Like uh, I think I texted him at the end of the third quarter. And I'm like, okay, here's the plan for tomorrow. Let's, uh, you know, like blah 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 blah. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Nothing. It was a bold decision. Nothing, and for a few hours too. Yeah. Right. And so I finally gave him the at like 9:30 last night after I'd sent out the prep notes. I'm like, are you okay?
2: That's when I knew it was serious. We should have called. We should have <laughs> called the cops to go to his house and check on him. That's when I knew I had made a mistake. You should probably. I should have probably given everyone the heads up. No, or, or, I was going to do that.
1: Or put the uh, thing on your phone where you, you say, I'm, what is it? it the Dis- notifications. Do are not silenced. disturb. Do yeah, not disturb. Do, do, do not disturb might have been like more jarring than anything. I'm <laughs> like during cool. the Super Bowl. Like
2: I, I thought we chat about the game a little bit, you know? So we He's do have,
1: super focused.
2: Now, part of the notes that Jason sent while I was in a sort of holding pattern uh, said, don't waste any time because we have a lot to get to. We do have a lot to get to. It was an incredibly busy weekend. In the world of sports, we'll go through the guest list real quick. Begins at six thirty. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, NHL host. There was a ton going on with the Canucks and a ton going on across the National Hockey League. So we'll get to David at six thirty about all that. Seven thirty, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider. We might talk about the Super Bowl with him. Eight o'clock, uh, very excited. Although it comes at the expense of Randy Janda, who's under the weather. Brett Festerling is going to join the show. He, of course, does uh, the color for play-by-play, Sportsnet 650 Canucks games. He called both games over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, very exciting weekend for the Canucks. Speaking of those Vancouver Canucks, they get a chance to exact revenge on Jake Wallman and the Detroit Red Wings on February 15th. And we're giving away tickets to it. We have a pair of tickets. Canucks, Red Wings, Thursday, February 15th. We're going to give those tickets to the best what we learned Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. We'll keep it real simple today. What did you learn over the last 72 hours in sports? Let us know. Put a ticket emoji into your text. Hashtag it WWL. Actually sounds more confusing now that I said it out loud. Mm. And send it to 650-650. You could win a pair of tickets to it's exact a, revenge. Yeah, it's a, oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah. The whole theme of the show now is about yeah. exacting revenge.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought that Red Wings game was pretty good on Saturday morning, actually. Yeah. Was, I thought it was pretty entertaining. I did, not so. did you like
2: the gritty? I did not care for the gritty. Like if, if a guy slapping a puck into an open net is cause for retribution, I feel like busting out a gritty on someone is also cause. <laughs> it may have made a hockey fan out of my two-year-old
0: daughter, though, who laughed really, really hard when it happened, and then the next day mentioned hockey player dancing. Wow. So those Canucks fans that took offense to that, well, there's a new fan in my household. Because I want of I one of the Canucks to hit him and then do the gritty over his lifeless body. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: my goal for working, the next game. working in reverse on the guest list. Brett Festerling at 8, Mike Tannier at 7.30, David Amber at 6.30. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
1: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I our... was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed
0: that? You missed that? What?
2: What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. We will begin with the football of the mer- American variety. The Kansas City Chiefs became the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 19 years. Beating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 to in overtime. Just the second overtime game in the 58-year history of the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. Brock Purdy not so bad. Unfortunate for Jawan Jennings becoming just the second person in Super Bowl history to catch and throw a touchdown. All in the background now, including Travis Kelsey's big second half. Chiefs win. What'd you think of the game?
1: Uh, well, it didn't start out all all that well. It was no. um pretty sloppy and pretty um non-eventful. Uh, there will be people that like the you know you know the. The diehards that are like, no, it was great defensive football. I was like, mm, The purists, no, if you will. Not really. Uh, but what a finish. Uh, maybe the NFL uh, is actually scripted. Uh, the Niners, at the end of the day, just couldn't put the Chiefs away early. They were easily the better team early on, but they could only build a 10-point lead. They were up 10-0, um, which sounds like a pretty good lead. But not against Patrick Mahomes, not in the new NFL where there's a lot of points scored. Um, Brock Purdy, you mentioned, didn't play badly overall. But he wasn't
2: great either. It didn't really help, though. He's not a game manager type conversations we had coming into the Super Bowl. No. Uh, Especially in the second half, um,
1: you know, when he had to go out and make some plays. There was a third and five, you know, didn't make it. Third and four didn't make it. Um, You don't hold it against him that the Niners lost, but when you think about that franchise and the quarterbacks that did get it done for them, it's a really tough situation for him because he wasn't drafted to be a great quarterback. He was the last player drafted, right? And he's done great with the expectations that were on him, but Joe Montana and Steve Young are the comparables in that franchise. And they haven't won a Super Bowl since those guys. And then you look at the quarterbacks that they've lost to. Patrick Mahomes twice. And, of course, the great elite Joe Flacco. Yes. Okay, well, it's not a perfect argument. That's pretty but good. there's a difference between not losing a game for your team. Mm-hmm. And, and going like, hey, he, wasn't, he wasn't awful. Like, he wasn't terrible. It's not like he was throwing a bunch of interceptions out there. But there's a difference between not losing a game for your team and
2: and going out and winning it for your team, Purdy did the former. Patrick Mahomes did the latter. Davy Boy texts into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Davy Boy, maybe it's Davy Boy Smith. Uh, in overtime, San Francisco brought field goals to a touchdown fight. What better way <laughs> to like lead that. in to the call of the night? All due respect to Nance and Romo, who actually didn't have a great night on the call there was a lot of articles written about that uh we will go to westwood one and the illustrious kevin harlan here's what it sounded like mahomes to McCole hardman for the win in overtime chiefs win their third super bowl in the last five years
1: first and go at the three lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking in the shotgun mahomes four man front receiver motion, low snap he runs and he throws caught touchdown it's caught Hardman caught the ball. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won. The entire bench empties. Chasing Mahomes in the end zone. Their third Super Bowl in five years. The Chiefs are back to back Super Bowl champions. It
3: is a dynasty.
1: Okay, so you were uh, mentioning how Jim Nance and Tony Romo didn't have the greatest game. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that's on the guys in the truck because the game winning call, Romo was still, it felt like he was still explaining the rules of overtime. And I think that someone in the truck should have been like early on, (laughs) like when it's halfway through the quarter, because I was sitting there uh, at my Super Bowl party. Were you wondering? I I was wondering what happened if the quarter ended and the Chiefs still had the ball, but they hadn't tied the game. Yeah, yet, yeah, yeah. Right, like a lot of people did. I I, I don't think anyone. I, I think a lot of people were like, "Well, what? Wait a minute. Is it is it over then? Like, because the quarter's over. I know. I knew. I knew the new rules where yeah. you were guaranteed to have a possession. In you know in in overtime, but I didn't know what happened if the if the first quarter expired. Yeah, well, that was the
2: thing. And then that... and then they
1: waited for, like, 15 seconds left in the first quarter because mm-hmm. I was one of those guys, like, why aren't they taking a timeout? Are they going to tie the Super Bowl?
2: What's happening Like, I,
1: I I wondered, okay, well, maybe it just goes to another quarter or whatever, but I – anyway.
2: Okay, well, hold on, but I do want – because CBS the guys on CBS radio before us on the way mm. in, they were talking about this. And it's funny because the rules don't really make sense because – if you like th- there's a score that will end the game in a sense in sudden death, not right off a hop. Right. Everyone gets a chance. But right. at a certain point, the game does end. Why do they still have a quarter? But of the them? clock Just, exists yeah. as a regular game. Like it, yeah. So if it had gone to a second quarter of overtime, mm-hmm. there would have been a two minute warning. Mm, yeah, yeah, there would have been because the, w- the second quarter would have been the second set, quarter set would death, have been right? like the second quarter of a regular season game. Time oh, wise, I see. okay. If it had gone that, long. <laughs> we're gonna have
1: to put together a halftime show. Uh, here. Sure, you're back, <laughs>
2: Little John. Get back out there. Okay. Were you excited to see Little John? Little Jonathan. Little Jonathan oh, oh, it was amazing. So, so at I any thought rate- it was very appropriate for our show that like I didn't know we we did we had an inside look at the Super Bowl halftime show. But we were talking about Lil John last week. That's how ahead of the curve we were. Anyway.
1: Uh, so, back to the story of the two quarterbacks, which is often how games are boiled down. I'm not blaming Purdy. And I think there's a lot of Niners fans out there that are probably like... They're probably in a state of shock. I mean, this is now three Super Bowl losses in the last not too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all had... You know, it was kind of like a similar story where you liked your team, but you just weren't 100% sure about the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Kaepernick, Jimmy G, and now Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell You what- got to credit the Chiefs' defense for sure. Like, they, they played well. I mentioned, you know, the third and four and the third and five where they didn't get it done, especially the first third and four uh, where the Chiefs blitzed and... I mean, they, they didn't get pretty any time. And really that happened on the second one too. Um, but the difference in the end, can we all agree, was the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history already, and he's still only 28. Like I was watching his post-game interview and he said, this game was a microcosm of our season. And he meant that everyone made contributions, but also, I imagine that it was a microcosm of our season because the Chiefs' season wasn't pretty no. at times. Um, and there were some people doubting them, but ultimately they came through in the end. Remember that the Chiefs, not too long ago, and I'm talking about Christmas, they were pretty pedestrian nine and six after losing to the Raiders on Christmas. And I remember Andy Reid had spent a few weeks talking about all the mental mistakes that kept costing the Chiefs and then they made more of them in that Christmas game there was a couple uh, turnovers that the Raiders took advantage of and all of a sudden you're like ugh, the Chiefs like, horrible wide they receiving don't, I don't, yeah. they don't yeah, they, they don't look good and, and 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 but they but in the back of everyone's mind you know, I saw a few people like on the Chiefs that are like the media were writing us off. I was like, nobody was writing you off because we kept on saying, "It's it's you do not write off a team that has Patrick Mahomes."
2: Mike, the urologist from Brockville, with an early what we learned, Bruff proved that sometimes the simplest answer is the correct answer. In your lock of the week, you said. The team with Patrick Mahomes is the team that's most likely to win the Super Bowl. Let's hear now from Patrick Mahomes, laddie, talking about greatness, following an MVP performance in a 25-22 to win over the Niners yesterday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope people remember not only the greatness that we have in the field, but the way that we, we've done it. I mean, I, I feel like we, we enjoy it every single day. We have fun. We play hard. Um, and it's not always pretty, but we just continue to fight to the very end. And
2: Interesting cutoff there. Let's move ahead. Anything else? <laughs> anything, anything else? Sir? That was courtesy Fox. What else yeah, sports, was going to say? Uh, let's move to the Vancouver Canucks. Now, we spent 15 minutes talking about the Super Bowl. That's enough for Sports Talk Radio, right? Uh, big weekend for the Vancouver Canucks. An overtime loss, a, a very, very entertaining overtime loss to the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday. But as is often the case when the Canucks play a back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday, we focus on the most recent event, and that was an overtime victory against the Washington Capitals on Sunday, courtesy a J.T. Miller winner. Can we hear what it sounded like on Sunday? J.T. Miller with the OT winner. 3-2 win against the Capitals at Capital One Arena on Sunday morning. Right wing for Patterson, skating to center. 10 seconds left in overtime into the Washington zone with a shot that was tipped wide of the net. McMichael takes it back to the corner, turned it over in the slot, Miller shoots, he scores! J.T. Miller! and vancouver takes a hard-fought affair in dc three to two so
1: uh it's a funny story i had i actually just turned away from the game like i was watching the game on tv Mm -hmm. and after the canucks gave up the puck i just like i I think my eyes went to my phone or something like that or I don't know, somewhere in the room, I just started just staring into the, the distance because I was kind of like, okay, well, we're going to a shootout. There was like, my eyes went down because I was like, we're going to a shootout. And then I heard the winning goal. I'm like, wait a minute, I just missed that. Like, what a terrible turnover by yes. Connor McMichael, who actually had a really good game for them.
2: Very unfortunate He, he,
1: he played He played really well, uh, played a lot against the uh, Miller-Besser-Lindholm line. And I thought outplayed that line at five on fives, and then he made that you know just kind of inexcusable with five seconds left pass to the middle. I'm not quite and sure what he was doing. I and even if it had been completed, like what was the upside of that? There are five seconds. Like anyway, no look behind but, the back. I don't. Pass anyway, no, I don't mean, all, all, all over <laughs> Connor McMichael. But, you, McMichael. Well, um, thank you, Connor The Canucks uh, had two games this weekend as. As you mentioned, they lost one in overtime after blowing a two-goal lead, then won the other also in overtime. Um, they're now two-one 2-1 on two-one and one on a pretty tough road trip, but the turnaround has been so stark this season that it feels like they're slumping. And I had a bunch of people on social media getting at me like, "Oh, is this the adversity you wanted, Bruff? Is this the adversity?" Because remember. Coming out of the All-Star break, we had discussed, like, I almost want to see the Canucks go through some adversity just to sure. just to, to, just to get out of the way so the adversity doesn't start, like, the moment they get to the playoffs. Like, the Boston Bruins last year who had that incredible regular season, then they get to the playoffs, they're like, uh, uh-oh. We've never faced adversity, or not this season at least, and then they go out in the first round to Florida. Um, I do think it's great that the bar has been raised to the point where the Canucks themselves – aren't satisfied unless they play a really clean game. But I'm not going to come close to criticizing a team that still hasn't lost three straight games all season. Uh, Tyler Myers had a quote after the game um, Sunday, I think. He said, things have gone so well for us this year that when you lose one, it feels like the end of the world. Win or lose, we've just got to keep pushing and keep working on things to get better. Overall, it wasn't our cleanest game as a group. I thought we started to get our legs moving better in the third, but you know what? We stuck with it in the sense we were pretty good within our system, even though it wasn't our cleanest game. Yeah, there's, you know, the, it, so they went into Carolina, remember, after the All-Star break, thought they played a really good game. Against the Hurricanes, and that was a terrific hockey game too. Against yes. the Hurricanes, Best one and it had just in entertainment value. It was it was a good game. The Canes played well. The Canucks played well. There was a lot of elements to it. Could have gone either way. Then everyone was excited for the Boston game. We were like, "What if this is a Stanley Cup Finals preview?" And I'm like, "After the game, well, I hope that wasn't a Stanley Cup Finals preview. Otherwise, the Canucks are going to get swept." Uh, they didn't play well in Boston. Uh, they were sloppy, um, and I think in some ways that sloppiness, the la- like the clean, the unclean game. It was d- the dirtiness, the d- the filth, filthy game, the filth. There was still some filth left over in both the Detroit and Washington game in terms of a few mistakes here and there and defensive breakdowns. Of course, in the Detroit game, they blew a three-one lead. They haven't done much of that, uh, and in the Washington game, that was just. That was just kind of a slog. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tockett called it mucky with both teams playing tired. But once again, the supporting cast came up big when they were needed the most. Hoaglander, up to 15 goals on the the season. He scored against Detroit. He scored against Washington. 16. And is it 16 now? Now he's getting a chance to play with Petey. And that third line just keeps chugging along winning the possession battle almost every game. I wonder maybe this is a conversation for later in the show, but I wonder at which point they try and sit down with Dakota Joshua and try and get him locked up. I saw you negotiating for him after
2: the Detroit Do game. They Actually to, during the Detroit yeah, game. I
1: was yeah. like he's just been he's just been so good and 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 I know a lot of people are like don't overpay for those guys. Don't overpay for those guys, but I just think he's going to be tough to replace, not only at five on five, but on the
2: PK.
0: I propose a six by six.
2: <laughs> you could. There are those deals floating in the ether for the, the the bottom six guys that are like six by three. Yeah, seven
1: years, well, two million a year. Yeah, like one if he of played really for the busy. Islanders, he'd be locked up already to like an eight year deal worth two million a year. He is but only twenty seven years old. Not to mention the Canucks don't have a ton of size up front. You know, um, you know. I I had an idea, but you know, I I fleshed it out a little bit with some experts from down in Abbotsford on the show. I was like, Well Abbotsford could, experts. Could Pod Colson be that but his replacement and I think the clear answer is no, not yet. He's not even Pod Colson not even killing penalties in the AHL and and Dakota Joshua is one of the best I think he's one of the best penalty killers in the league. And if you look at the underlying stats and just watch his game, that p- penalty kill in Detroit, where they killed off the five minute major and then a bonus two minute penalty, yeah. I mean that was really, really good penalty killing. The Red Wings did not have much and for the Canucks to then go and score right out of the end of the two minute minor when Hronik was in there and he gets the breakaway and scores and then they scored another one. That was that was one of the best periods of hockey they played all season. It was unfortunate that they went and blew the two goal lead, but you know, Dakota Joshua has become just a very, very important player on this team yep. and that basically that whole third line after the Capitals game, Talkett gave specific kudos to Hoaglander, calling him a dog on a bone, and loved his energy and loved his motor. And he was saying, Listen, when you're a tired team, that's what you need from your young guys, right? Mm-hmm. And your energy players. You need energy. And Garland, who plays the same way, even though he's not, you know, one of the young players um, they they all bring energy to the game and Garland scored on Sunday against the Caps. So it was the supporting cast that really did help the Canucks, even though it was JT Miller who scored the game winner, kind of a fortunate goal for JT Miller just to be there for that turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk a little bit later in the show about Lindholm because... You know, even though he had that great first game with the Canucks, since then it's been an adjustment for this guy. And I'm not exactly sure where he's going to fit by the time the playoffs roll around. I was hoping, hoping he'd have some immediate chemistry with Petey, but they had such a tough game in Boston. They were a combined minus or, or combined minus eight, but they were each minus four. Um, and they've been split up since. Um, I'm sure we'll see them together again this season, perhaps even Tuesday in Chicago where the Canucks wrap up their road trip. But Lindholm said after Saturday's game in Detroit, he's like, honestly, I got to be better. Yeah. I got to be more involved and just play better. I don't think i played that well. Um, Playing with two really
2: good players. So I've got to be better. Uh, I did want to add on the the whole, like we've talked a lot about Dakota Joshua on the show. We've talked a lot about the bottom six forward group. I don't think we've really talked enough about exactly what Nils Hoaglander has done this year. Right now, we are post-All-Star break. He has more goals than Matthew Barzell, Mark Stone, John Tavares, and Anze Kopitar. Mm-hmm. Like it's an amazing total. He's, it's a little bit of the Cy Young because I think he's only got six six assists, on the year. So it's a bit of a skewed stat to like, who cares? Like what he's doing and the way he played over the weekend, thoroughly impressive. Now you would hope. I love his entire story that they,
3: yeah.
1: that he went down to the AHL. Cause remember he had some success in the NHL. He went down to the AHL. Bujo didn't like, him. no, I mean, that was, one, Wasn't that, that was clear, right? Like Bujo did not like his game. Um, he went down to the AHL. He stayed there. He worked his butt off. He showed that he deserved to be in the NHL. And he still kept fighting through some adversity in the NHL. You know, he was a healthy scratch a couple of times this season under yep. Rick Tockett. He had things to learn. He always, But what I always liked about Hoaglander, I think what everyone always liked about Hoaglander, was that he had energy. And he had a motor. And he was, he just needed to learn a few details of the pro game in North America but he always had that energy, and he always had that enthusiasm, and I think that's helped him along the way.
0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Brough. You're listening to the best of Halford and Brough.
2: Turn it over in the slot. Miller shoots. He scores! J.T. Miller wins it for the Canucks with 4.8 seconds left in overtime. And Vancouver takes a hard-fought
3: affair in D.C. 3-2. to not how you write it up, but Michael has the turnover right to Miller in the slot, and he goes high glove on Kemper, or high blocker, excuse me, on Kemper. You'll take it.
2: 8 o'clock on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, SportsNet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Uh Canucks, Color commentator Brett Festerling is going to join the program in just a moment to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. That's what. If you're on, if you're watching the stream right now, you can see Jason Bruff subtle but very, very pointed. And I mean, pointing. We have a little, little box up in the Sportsnet 650 studios that's got all of our, uh, the, the reads the, the that we need to do. And I am often remiss, I mm-hmm. fail in my job, of telling you that all of our guests are on the phone line, which is the dispatch, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. Jason, it's not just the first call. What else is it? It's the only call. There we go. Is it really a box? The box, the box. <laughs> it's called a whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's a box it's, so much. It's uh, a box, all right? There's a big white box up there. Okay. And it has words on it. It's a word box. It's a word box. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines now. Brett Fesserling joins us on the Halford and Bruff Show on SportsNet 650. Morning, Brett. How are you? Good morning. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. So, uh, the McMichael turnover. I don't know if there's a pantheon of mo- most egregious turnovers ever, but that one, given the stakes involved, the time left in the game. Uh, that's got to be up there in terms of some of the
1: worst. I'm just going to throw this up the middle in five seconds. Maybe we can score. I
2: mean, why not just hold the puck for 4.8 seconds? I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe you do. You were watching the game. Like, What did you think when you saw that unfold?
3: Yeah, I didn't know what. That's never been the first. It's never been the second, third, fourth, or fifth option, really, in OT with five seconds left to to pass it up the middle. I don't know. Games change. The guys are more freewheeling and willing to do that stuff, but. I I didn't like doing that at 5 and 5 period let alone OT with Miller down the slot. Um so here's a question
1: for you. How have the Canucks played on this road trip? Because they're 2-1 one and 1 and that's great results for a tough road trip, but the bar has been raised so much in Vancouver in in just a year that people are like, "Ah, 2-1 one and 1, I know, but I feel like and even the Canucks themselves are saying this. I feel like we haven't played our cleanest hockey?
3: No, if you're, if you are you know, painting a picture, it hasn't been a pretty road trip, but they have a chance to go three-on-one-on-one, one, a good chance to go on one playing a Chicago Blackhawks team that's depleted. So that, I think that's where the bar has actually gone up substantially is the ability to grind out points and find ways to get points. And I think it's been a, a slog of a road trip, but they do have a chance to come back over five hundred, which I think is pretty impressive with the game against Boston. Even Washington wasn't great. Hurricane game was okay, but yeah, not the prettiest road trip, but they'll take it for, for what they've done. Um, do you see an obvious fit uh,
1: for Elias Lindholm? I'm not saying he's not going to fit into this Connects team, but I'm just wondering um, – how long do you think it's going to take for him to find that
3: and what that might be? Short answer, no. I don't see an obvious fit right now. I, I thought it would be more geared towards a dance partner for Petey. And obviously, they've, they've went away from that a little earlier with a focus on puck possession and his face-off ability, getting him down the middle. So, I, yeah, I haven't found an obvious Kind of position for him. He's played okay. I think he's been kind of online with where the team's been for this road trip. It's going to take time. He's coming in. He hasn't had the best season. His confidence is probably a little lower than it normally is. It's intimidating coming into a new group, especially groups that had five all stars, and then he's supposed to fit into that. So, I mean, I would give him a. a the month probably like that. That probably helps. That's, that's the benefit of the brass being aggressive and going, getting this deal done early is to go through these growing pains and really find out where he fits, whether that is uh, as a centerman and really trying to focus on puck possession and draws, or if that is a dance partner for PD to have more of a consistent, you know, skill or partner to play with on a regular basis. Do you think we could
1: see, uh, Lindholm and Petey together, even as soon as Tuesday in Chicago. Like, do do, do you think uh, do you think Rick Tockett is tied to anything that's going on in his top six right now?
3: No, I don't think so. Like he he started the first two or three power plays, not the first line. Like, it's pretty obvious. I think he's not impressed with the road trip for that top six specifically. So I could yeah Tuesday would be an easy easy switch back to those two together I think and then I I don't know I mean Hoaglander seemed to play well with Petey. that was mm-hmm. I think they had a lot of positives there was some some you know I talk it called it a wash with, with the game before with some of the turnovers obviously the missed assignment in front on the Raffensperger goal but um, I like those two together but yeah I could easily see them going back together Tuesday. Okay, here's a tough question
1: for you. Would you ever consider breaking up the third line to alleviate any issues that you're having in the
3: top six? I wouldn't. It's such a weird predicament that I don't know if I've ever seen in my (laughs) career where the third line's been so consistent and so good at driving play and outmatching their opponent that it just hasn't been touched, and it hasn't been even thought of. But that puts such a weird switch on guys like Lafferty or Hoaglander jumping fourth-line minutes mm-hmm. and fourth-line opponents to second- or first-line minutes and first-line opponents. So it's a interesting predicament. but I don't think I would just because it's been so consistent. They've been so reliable for driving play, and, and I just hate messing with chemistry. I feel like it's so finicky and it's hard to find, and, and they have it. And they they definitely do drive the play against their opponents. So I wouldn't personally wouldn't touch it. But again, they have an extra month here to figure it out. Maybe it's something they start with in practice, or or certain guys look good together in practice. Whether it's a rush, and you just go with your gut instinct. You know what I love about hockey and and sports in general
1: is just the unpredictable nature of it. Like. We talk about so much in the off season, you know, we're, we're forcing topics here and there. We're going over line combinations. And then now we're, you know, more than halfway past through the season. And it's like, you know, what's been a major key for the Canucks, the line of Bluger, Garland and Joshua, like who ever would have predicted this and I agree with you I wouldn't mess with that line they're like a sure thing out there the, the way they're playing what is it about those three together that has created this chemistry and created this line that even if the top six is going you can put those guys out there and they just seem to be able to take the puck from the Canucks end and play with it in the other end
3: Yeah, they've all added so much value, and they're better together. So I don't – I would have never predicted. I think I was a uh, harsh critic of Garland to start, especially the contract. And somehow he's made himself such a valuable piece to be be able to drive his own line and really just have that peskiness and tenacity. He, He. the chemistry they have that I don't think the top six has right now in terms of just getting pucks north and then there's always a second guy on the puck quick, whether it's Garland or Joshua or Souter or, I mean, sorry, Beluger. They are just support each other so well, and then there's no give up. They're, Garland's always head down, back to the middle. Joshua's head down through the middle, back checking. So it's just kind of a, of a relentless forecheck with back pressure, and then guys like Josh, I feel like Dakota Joshua, after getting called out early in the year for conditioning and maybe the level of play for Tockett, has become one of the better values in the NK. He's become a huge part of the penalty kill. He's making good plays. He's the most, if one of, if not the most physical, can knock on the ice. Mix that in with kind of Beluger's intelligence and his ability to distribute the puck and support read those guys and support, let them, you know, Garland's a, a bit of a uh, honey badger, kind of gets going. Dakota Joshua goes and gets hit, and then Bluger seems to just find those soft areas to, to support those guys, turn over pucks, and, and get it back to him. So it's they've been fun to watch. I've really enjoyed that line this year.
1: Yeah, me as well. Um, Nils Hooglander, has he jumped McKeev in the depth chart?
3: Well, he's definitely showing his high-end skill of what he can he can elevate to that those first line or top six skill level on the offensive side for sure. is a little more of a a thinker in terms of maybe sitting back and evaluating the play on the defensive side. I think that's where you see Hoglander's. Um, Inexperience or youth show exactly that goal the other day. Just missed little missed assignments on the defensive zone, but on the offensive side of top six and being able to stay in the skill kind of echelon of of a guy like P.D. I think Hoaglander's shown that he has that and has the ability to turn it on. And what he's actually done with mostly fourth line minutes and. And, you know, less offensive time to get 16 goals on the year is pretty impressive. So, has he jumped him on the depth chart? I think it's situational based, but there's definitely an argument to be made there for him to have more sustained time on the second line.
1: Okay, there's about a month until the trade deadline, so still a lot of time for developments. Um, If you could, if you had a realistic wish list for the Vancouver Canucks at the trade deadline what would top that realistic wish list
3: <sighs> that's the hard that's a really hard question i i think my my number one concern right now still with lindholm is probably a player to go with pd now i don't know if you're mm-hmm. going to spend spend the uh, the money or the assets to bring in another forward you probably Maybe bring in more depth, but then again, you're putting them on the fourth line. You run into that fourth line scenario where it's fourth line or second line. So, I think if you have an also if you have an injury to either Heronik or Hughes, then that changes your offensive side of your defenseman, depending on Susie as well. So, I'd say that the offensive side of your defenseman, barring an injury, is a risk going through playoffs, and then you can always go. More depth in the middle part of your forwards, I think. And then I, La- I mean, I like Lafferty. He he was obviously a healthy scratch for both games this weekend. I don't expect him to be a healthy scratch much longer. Mm-hmm. I I think he's a torpedo out there and really drives play and gets the puck going north. And they're a better team with him in the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes as well.
1: Hey, Brett, I want to ask you, as a former NHLer, what you thought of Morgan Riley's reaction to Ridley Grieg. <laughs> uh taking the slapper into the empty net
3: I think if you're a former NHL born before 1994 <laughs> you're going to be okay with Morgan Riley's reaction if you're after you're not going to understand it. 94 is there's the a, cut off eh Yeah there's a big generational shift in those years like to me the fact that he took a Papper five feet from the net in a rivalry game Ottawa-Toronto and then didn't even look for anybody coming after him is mind-boggling. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. he didn't think anybody was coming after him. He looked at the bench
1: and just
2: <laughs> like
3: like, – Do you see that slap shot I took? <laughs> Guys, I it, was Guys, funny, like... it was funny because I had a breakaway and it was an open net. Yeah, you can do that. Like, you're taking your own risk. You can do that. But at least look – somebody coming to you. You got to think somebody's coming after you. So honestly, health is the number one thing for the players. He, He can't get his stick up and get him in the face. I totally see where he's coming from. I react the same way. I have the same switch. But the biggest thing is you can't get your stick up. I think if he drops his gloves and goes after him, or even body checks him into the wall, it's probably less of a suspension of what he's going to get just because of that stick in the face is such a no-no. But um, all I understand where he's coming from.
2: Brett, this was great, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week and all the games. Hopefully we can do this again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. That's Brett Festerling, as Jason alluded to, former NHL defenseman and now a member of Sportsnet 650. He's on the call with Brendan Batchelor, uh, color analyst for Sportsnet 650. So we haven't really weighed in on the Morgan Riley thing. I mean, granted, it's been a busy day. Hell, Nick Taylor got bumped to like hour two. No, we got we, we got him in. Oh, no, we did. One. We got him right yeah. in before uh, we switched to hour two. So if you download the hour one podcast, you can hear us talking about Nick Taylor's big win at the Waste Management Open. But um, the honestly, if it had been any other sports weekend, the Morgan Riley, Ridley Greig, by the way, kudos to that one guy that texted in and is like, come on, you idiots. It's Greg. I'm like, it's definitely not. I don't know where you got that from. It's Grieg. It's, right. There's an NHL pronunciation guide, which we normally never pay attention to because we don't pronounce anything right. But here, Ridley Greig. Anyway.
1: So my whole, my whole take is a really simple one. What? There should have been a reaction from the Leafs, but it was an overreaction. And the overreaction is what's going to get him suspended, and rightly so.
2: You don't have to go in and cross-check him in the head. My reaction, that's w- it. My, my reaction was that this was the embodiment of collective stupidity. Everyone was so stupid. <laughs> so first off, let's make I no like m- that one more. Let's make no mistake. Ridley Grieg, very stupid. It was funny. I kind of got a laugh out of it, but is anyone going to say that what he did was smart? That was a stupid thing to do, right? It just in a vacuum, Greg, I'm looking at the real Gr- Grieg here. <laughs> Grieg Balik. Hey, our good old buddy hey, Grieg hey, hey, hey. Ballack. I
0: spell it the right way. Okay? In, the,
2: in a vacuum, regardless of what happened afterwards, doing it is stupid, right?
0: I, I don't know if stupid is the right word. It was stupid. It was silly. Come on, like, Grieg, it's... be honest with yourself here. <laughs> I got to stick with yourself. my buddy Grieg. Stand up
2: for yourself, Greg. <laughs> anyway, the reaction from Morgan Riley. Maybe more stupid mm-hmm. because as Brett just astutely pointed out, there is a multitude of things that you could have done. I don't care if you're responding to it, but respond in a totally different way. Just say,
0: Hey, yeah. keep your head up next time. Square the guy, game. up. give him a chance to fight. Even just words would yeah. work. Like, Drop your gloves. They're like, Drop Oh, it's gloves. old
2: school. You got to be tough. I'm like, what's tough about cross-checking a guy in the face when he's not looking mm-hmm. right do something else. Now, I'm not saying do, like, we've seen what happens when you punch an unwilling combatant, right? That's, yeah, yeah. That was the Bertuzzi Moore thing. You got to square a guy up. So that was stupid. The stupidest thing of all was the online reactions. My God, people. Like, I know that social media is a cesspool at the best of times. But this was like taking the worst scum out of the cesspool and... And then, like, boiling it down to its core scum.
0: Try having a social media feed full of Leafs fans as unbelievable. well Jays fans. Unbelievable
2: wow. how bad it the th- got. Th- the things that Sat got were just... Unbelievable! I'm sorry, I don't mean to, like, yell over you, but it was it was beyond ridiculous. Well, it's not unbelievable. It's completely believable Fair. and completely predictable. It's still... Shockingly stupid. Yeah. Like, there's a certain level of stupid that many of you stooped to. Yeah. Now, I'm not, now I'm not our listeners or anything. Like, don't get me wrong. You guys are great. Some of you, but um, like if and it's out there in such a and I use the term cavalier a lot with this and that's really what it is. Open, openly racist, just openly
1: racist, brazenly racist. I'm not going to read anything, but if you want to go to Sats Twitter, account, uh, Sat put it out there and I and I texted that uh, he's like, and, and it's kind of sad because it says like, honestly, it doesn't bother me anymore, which is like basically like i'm used to it
2: just some of the things it's just shocking yeah and just no regard no regard whatsoever for anybody or even i mean the people that are putting it out. like do you think for a moment how this <laughs> take it as a, as a be selfish again and think for a moment what it looks like for you yeah as an individual like do you think that it just goes into the ether just the it evaporates into yeah. the sky
1: there was this one guy who like had his name out there and Worked for some, like, Toyota dealership.
2: Which is where I come back to the stupidity part right? of all this. And like, he still hasn't deleted the tweet. Just like, le- what are you doing, man? You're going to yeah. lose your job. I mean, people have just, children. Like, just leave it out yeah. there.
0: Imagine them reading that
2: in 10 years. Like, just, it's so sad that but, these people exist. So to recap, Grieg and Ridley situation, just collectively stupid. It was just, it was a not a great moment. I mean, it could have been. And the sad part is, is it was... <laughs> was ripe for comedy there were some really good bits that could have come out of that because it was right? hilarious watching it yeah yeah I'd never seen a guy do that on an empty net breakaway before uh, Andrew <laughs> brave new comedic world really under. good for the rivalry too could I have had some fun with it yeah it was great
1: uh, Andrew and Victoria text in should Morgan Riley get suspended the same amount that Dale Hunter was for his after goal hit on Pierre Turgeon no no no, no because with uh, Dale
2: Hunter did was maybe one of the worst things in hockey history. Turgeon
1: <laughs> Turgeon was hurt badly and couldn't I a separated he, shoulder? Yeah,
2: missed the rest of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, could playoffs. he play at all? Did he play I'm turning it, into yeah. Jim Moore over here? Playoffs, yeah, he that was them. so that was Ray Ferraro's team, right? And they really missed him 21 I guess, games, I think, because yeah. he was scoring. That was the team that upset the Penguins. Yeah.
2: If you remember, Pierre Turgeon was scoring a lot of important goals, like the winner in that game, before yeah, yeah. he got hurt. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, Dale Hunter's was way worse. I remember, way pe- worse. I
1: remember people. <laughs> Or I think it might have even been Hunter's excuse. It was like, I didn't know the goal went in. I was just finishing my check. I'm like, hmm. He had his hands up for like
2: six seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. was so late. It was the ne- start of the next game, practically. Like you finished your check in the next game. That's when you finished it. It was bad. But no, uh, Riley's going to get suspended. But that was another part of the. I go back to my stupidity take from earlier. Some of the takes in the aftermath, there were certain analysts that I won't name. That thought that the max he was gonna get was a fine. I was like, Have you watched sports? Do you know how this works? You can't hit a guy after he scores a goal with five seconds left on the clock. Like, even if you're trying to plead that it was unintentional, which it wasn't, or that I was trying to cross check him in the shoulder and it rode up into his face, mm-hmm. the Department of Player Safety is gonna be like, That's a great explanation. Here's minimum six games. Like, it's a suspension. Yeah. It was shocking to me that some people were trying to big brain it. Into being like it's not, you know. And Sheldon Keefe's response was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard.
1: Can we play the Sheldon Keefe audio? This is. Uh, I know
2: he was in the. I know he was in, on the spot. It was right after the game. He probably didn't have time to think out a great response, but he's also like, he's going through it. Yeah,
1: he's going through it in Toronto. He 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 does not. I, you get the feeling like he does not care for his team, and now he's going <laughs> to have to deal with this. Like the blue, the Leafs blue line was already a problem. And now they're going to be missing their best defenseman for five, six games. At any rate, <laughs> here's poor Sheldon Keith. What
0: do you think of Morgan Riley's reaction to really great slap shot into the empty
1: net? I thought it was appropriate.
0: I think, uh, are you concerned at
1: all that he might get some sort of Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll look at it, yeah. You
0: think maybe the egregious play you were talking about the first period that like the frustration's going over for him for the entire night? No, I think
2: he's reacting to a play. Their player has the right to do what he wants in that moment, and our players have the right to react. Uh, You know, it's the motions of the game, and that's what it goes. When you say it's appropriate,
1: why do you think that's appropriate? It's pretty apparent.
2: The best was when he said. Oh, it's
1: actually not. Can you please?
2: I was, I was like, "What are you talking about?" When he said it, uh, so it's
1: appropriate to lose your
2: best defenseman for
1: five games.
2: Play, play the clip where he says, our players have the right to react. I'm like, no, they don't. That's what a penalty's for. <laughs> it's punishments for all this. Player things. has the right to do what he wants in that moment, and our players have the right to react. No, he doesn't. You know no, what's no. you know we what's don't hal- have the right to re- is, that's crazy. But
1: you know what's hilarious about all this is like. Uh, how many times have the Leafs been called out for a lack of response? Yeah. Right? And, and, and it's I get like, that part. Of and it. then, and then, and then. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, not that that way.
1: (laughs) Not that way. way. What are you doing? (laughs) Does anybody know
2: how to respond here? And a bunch of the Leafs media were, again, I use Galaxy. They're Galaxy braining, and it's like, this could be the moment that galvanizes them as a team. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why?
0: It'll galvanize for Uh, sure. Yeah, it's
2: going to galvanize the the eight-game suspension for for Morgan Riley or whatever he ends up getting. I, I was, the whole thing, and again... I had like I got the luxury of being able to sit for forty eight hours and think about it, and yeah. craft a response. I get that part of it right, but some of the responses and it, it, the knee jerk reaction again, none of it ages well. Usually, you oh I'd like to take that one back, or I was mm-hmm. the heat of the moment, or I was on the spot and I said something. But my word, just
0: the hypocrisy is what kills me with the least fans. That you know people that I know and put up with that were so against what Rugneto Odor did to Batista yeah. are just, oh yeah, that's what we want to see. <laughs> Re- instant retribution. Like I watched you complain about <laughs> Odor. Aggress-
2: How? Like, I know. Aggressively complain about blowing it.
0: blowing my mind yeah. last yesterday. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.